my sex writing cave where all the smut happens in real life in my head or on paper this is the smut lancer podcast a weekly show where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it i'm your host and fellow smut lancer kayla lords welcome to episode eight this week let's talk about showing up even if we're not as good as we want to be yet if this is your first time listening glad to have you if you're back for another week welcome back Smut Lancer podcast is produced every Wednesday and show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. Follow me there or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thesmutlancer. This week's episode is brought to you by Blueberry, a podcasting hosting solution that makes podcasting affordable and easy. If you're thinking of creating audio content and want a hosting service and plugin that integrates with your website and offers great analytics, check out Blueberry. I use Blueberry for this podcast, the Loving BDSM podcast, and the soon-to-be-released Masturbation Monday podcast, and it's easy, affordable, and has great tech support. Use the code KaylaLords, all one word, to get one month free to try it out. Again, that's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. That's Blueberry with no E's in it, y'all. And use code KaylaLords for one month free. So I'm recording on Monday the 12th. February 12th, and this episode will come out on Valentine's Day. And I probably should have done some sort of themed thing about love or heartbreak or something. And I guess, you know, if we want to squint a little bit, we're talking about doing what you love, which, uh, yeah, no, we're totally talking about doing what you love. So there, yay, I found the theme. Okay. (laughs) But the episode was actually inspired by me reading Twitter before I'd had coffee. Um, now I try not to respond on Twitter before I've had coffee. That is usually where most of my communication fails occur, but I do thumb through and scroll through and read through. And I saw two completely unrelated tweets that made me think about the same thing. Um, and a podcast idea was born. See, these things are not from brilliance. They're from lurking. Um, if you're ever wondering where can I find inspiration for my next thing to make, I just don't drink coffee and read Twitter. I don't know. I'd take it or, or leave it. It's what I did today. Um, so there were two separate conversations that I saw. And one was from a wonderful blogger and podcaster who I really like, um, Floss of Proud to be Kinky. She's both a podcaster with her partner and she has her own website and blog. She's an excellent writer. Um, she's doing more writing now or, or I'm becoming more aware of her writing. That may very well be the case. It might not be that she's doing more. It just might be that I'm paying attention. Um, but she did a Twitter thread of, I don't know how recently or not. I just know I was reading it at six o'clock this morning with no coffee, um, um, regarding Smut Marathon, which is going on right now, which I absolutely love the concept of Smut Marathon. Um, Marie Rebel, who's a dear friend, is running it. It's a great thing, um, from what I can tell, certainly for the people who have um, joined in and in general, everything I I read about it prior to it starting. And I did not join in. Um, I was afraid of committing to something that I would then not Um, be able to finish. And then I also um, will fully admit I didn't think I would make too many rounds and I didn't want to put myself through that. So I say all that to say that anybody who has signed up for it and is in it and is trying it, um, total kudos to you because I consider myself pretty pretty brave on a lot of fronts when it comes to creating content and y'all are doing something that I couldn't do, wouldn't do right now. Maybe next year, we'll see. Um, but so the first, um, entries, the first level of the smut marathons going on right now, and there's, um, posts out there to be uh, judged at smut marathon, um, smut, smut marathon.rebelsnotes.com. I'll link to it. Cause I can't remember the exact URL. Anyway, 
back to floss. So she's got this thread about how apparently somebody, I don't know who, I didn't go track it down, was being critical that some of the writers did not, either got confused, didn't know, or ignored the rules of writing a metaphor versus a simile. And it was all very technical writing stuff where you can imagine that the people who live, eat, breathe, and sleep grammar might have gotten cringy. And apparently some, somebody got rude. Um, I don't wanna know who got rude because that will bring me down. What I loved was Floss saying, wait a moment, wait a moment, you're criticizing people who are doing a thing you're not doing. And if you wanna show the world that you know the difference between a metaphor and a simile, why didn't you just join in? Why are you now criticizing the people out there doing it. And if you're going to offer criticism, it needs to be constructive criticism. It needs to be helpful and it doesn't need to be mean and ugly. And I was reading this thread going, preach it, preach it, girl. I love you. You're so freaking right. And that was all before coffee. So could you imagine what would have happened if I had some caffeine in me? So I'm like, yeah, oh my God. I hope, hope nobody's feelings. I hope nobody saw criticism and it's, it's bothered them so much that now they're doubting themselves. I hope nobody you know, is sitting somewhere in their, their own writing cave somewhere, you know, berating themselves because maybe they, they used a simile when they were supposed to use a metaphor or whatever it might be. Like I, like that, that bothers me. Um, but I love Floss for saying it and saying that it was unnecessary and that there's better ways to be. And it's way easier to be a critic than it is to be the one in out there doing it. And so, you know, the way, the way my non-caffeinated brain translated was, those critics need to shut the hell up. That's that's how I translated it. That might not be what she meant, but that's what I was thinking. So fast forward like five minutes, I'm still scrolling through Twitter and I come across um, a poll that a blogger has put up. And the question is asked of if you're getting to know somebody or dating somebody or romantically linked to somebody and they have a creative thing they like to do and it wasn't specified in the question, but they suck at it, can you still be with them? Can you still be romantically involved? Are you still interested in them? And I really didn't like the question because like everything else on Twitter, there's very little room for nuance. But pre-caffeinated me still read through the responses. And what I loved was that the responses were as nuanced as 280 characters will let you be. And nearly everybody said, well, it depends. And at first I hadn't even said depends. I said, well, of course I can still be romantically linked and, and care for somebody who has a passion for a thing that they suck at. Good God, I suck at things all the time. But I loved the, the conversation that happened because they said, look, if it's their passion, they're doing it and they know they suck, that's fine. It's the people who don't have any self-awareness and think they are God's gift to everything they touch that that's a problem because that's not a problem about their craft and their, the thing that they like to do it. That's a personality issue and that will come out in other ways. And I thought, okay, there, there's the nuance I'm looking for in this conversation. But the original question made me think about this topic that Floss's tweet thread had also made me think about, which was every single one of us, when we start out, making something that's writing, that's podcasting, that's um, creating a product, that's writing books, it's whatever. Every single one of us sucks. None of us just shows up with an innate ability to do it. We might have a certain amount of innate talent, but we don't necessarily have the technical skills. We might have the technical skills and not really know how to string words together or put things together in a way that 
transcends, you know, the mundaneness of life. Like we all start out at one point and it's by making our thing, it's by hitting publish that then we get better at doing it. Okay. And seeing these things in conjunction, these two little things on Twitter that had no connection to each other just got me thinking about how we, I haven't met a creator yet at any level on in any way that thinks they're doing it perfectly. And I think I've said this in a, a past episode. If I, if the day comes, I come across that person, I'm going to be very leery of them because I, I hesitate to, to be comfortable around people who think that they are just great at everything they do and everything they touch is perfect. That's a problem. We might call that narcissism. Um, so most of us are walking around with these doubts and these concerns and these fears that it's not good enough and that we're not good enough and we don't know what we're talking about and who are we to share these things and to give this advice. Case in point, uh, John Brownstone and I were having a conversation. We like to call them business meetings. Um, I've never written off my Starbucks habit on my taxes because I'm not that brave. Um, but sometimes I think we should because we do a lot of... Uh, our, have a lot of our business discussions at Starbucks over coffee. Um, but we were talking about what we wanted to do with Loving BDSM as a community, as a place where we're wanting to create products that people can purchase and all kinds of stuff. And he said to me, because I, I said to him, I feel a hesitancy on your part to engage with me on this, to do some of the things, to be as enthusiastic. Yes, you support me, Kayla Lords, and whatever I create, but I don't feel like you are completely um, immersed in what we're trying to create. Like you feel like you're just sort of support on the outside and I want you to come in and be right in the thick of things. And he said something that I've heard and I've said many, many times. He said, who am I to tell anybody what to do? Who am I to say this is the way that DS works. Who am I to talk to other dominants and try to tell them how I think they should be and, and who they should be and what they should be? And I said, first of all, that's not what we do. We talk about our own personal experiences and we make them relatable for people who want to use that information. I said, but second of all, you are the person who shows up to do it. I said, yes. There are other people who probably know more about BDSM and have more knowledge of BDSM in their little finger than we have in our whole bodies. That's fine, but they're not the ones doing it. I said, and yes, there are people who can speak more eloquently on the techniques of BDSM than we can, but they're not here, are they? I said, what gives you the right is the fact that you show up and you say very honestly, very clearly, these are my experiences. You may relate, you may not relate, and that's okay. This is what I know to be true for me. This is what I have experienced. This is what I have seen. This is how I view the world. I said that in and of itself automatically gives you the right to do it. Now, let's translate that to everybody else who can hear my voice right now. Who am I to write these sex scenes when everybody else writes them better? Who am I to write about my experience with BDSM when there's so many other people doing it? Who am I to make yet another sex toy when there are so many other sex toys out there? Who am I to publish this erotic fiction when there are so many other erotic books on the market right now? You know what? You're the one doing it. You're the one with your own story to tell, your own perspective, your own journey through it, your own technique, your own way, and every bit of it is valid. And yes, you will probably suck at first, 
we all suck at first. And some of us being bad at something or not being as good as we want to be, it's all relative and it's all subjective. So when I first started sex blogging, I'd been writing for a while. Um, so I had some sort of technical practice at stringing words together and, you know, grammar and stuff. Uh, but I hadn't described in words, especially the written word, sex acts before. Like that that was new to me. And so people liked what I was writing, but I could have pointed out, ooh, I'm sure there's a better way to say that. Ooh, I'm not, mm, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. That doesn't mean I didn't have a story to tell. The only way to get better at the thing that you do is to do the thing. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it over and over and over again. Now that is not the only way to get better because it is possible to practice bad habits and then entrench bad habits because you're doing them over and over again. So yes, you have to be curious enough to, to search out resources and to read about, you know, how do I improve my grammar or how do I make graphics to put in my blog post? Cause I know that's better. Or how do I market myself or all the, the things that wherever you feel like there's a flaw in what you're doing, there's a way to do it better. And so yes, it is incumbent upon you to go seek that information out and to teach yourself and to find resources you trust and to learn to do it better. But you will never get better at what you do unless you show up to do it. Um, I've read and heard many, many times, and I have fallen into this trap myself, creative people, people who write, podcast, video, make a thing, right? We can get into the trap of trying to learn so much about what we think we need to know that we forget to go do our thing. Like we get really caught up and I'm going to, I'm going to take this online course. I'm going to sign up for this email thing. I'm going to go to these classes. I'm going to go to these sessions. Those things are good, but if they interfere with actually doing the work, then they become detrimental. Now that leads me to a completely, I, this is proof. I spend too much time on Twitter. A third tweet that has nothing to do with the first two tweets that uh, sparked this episode. Um, it was over the weekend and it was, a uh, was it Joella not? I think it was Joella not. She tweeted about how some people will say to her, I just can't believe you know how to, and then fill in the blank with whatever sort of professional freelance writing, marketing, whatever thing that whoever she's talking to is that's what they're saying to her. And her response was, um, we learned, I learned it by going to Google and typing in how to, and then fill in the blank. And yes, uh, those of us that you might consider knowledgeable or experts or, um, good at what we do, the vast majority of us, especially if our skill was gained in the past, like five to 10 years, all we know how to do is use Google. I mean, the first step, I've taken for everything I've ever learned as a freelancer, as a marketer, as a blogger was either through watching somebody else do it, which is helpful too, or going to Google and typing in how to, how to turn your blog into an ebook, how to make blog headers, how to set up a podcast. Loving BDSM as a podcast that I set up. I went to Google, typed in how to, Oh, the, st- the steps to set up a podcast found three or four different um, sites that looked credible, did some skimming of other things first to make sure it wasn't, you know, spam or some bullshit thing. 
And then I started taking notes and then I read through it and I was like, okay, I like this. I don't like that. And in some cases I have almost like a how-to guide. I found like a really great blog post somewhere on the internet. Thank you, Google. And I've, you know, word for word, line for line done the steps that they told me to. And that's how I learned how to do something. So those wherever you're at in the spectrum, whether you're brand new and you're thinking, I'm never going to get to you know, whoever it is you look up to. We've already done that episode about don't compare and contrast yourself because we're all at a different place in our, our journey in, in this thing that we're doing. We've, we all had to start somewhere. So if you're looking at somebody, if you're brand new and you've been blogging for like two or three months, right? And you look at a blogger who's been around for three or four years. Yeah, you're, you're going to do that compare thing. Don't do it. Um, go back to, is it episode five? I'll link to it in the show notes. Go back and listen to that if you're doing it. The thing is though, if you are looking at that person who's got more experience than you and you're thinking that somehow they have super human magic powers and that's how they got the knowledge um, that they've got and got to where they, they are right at that moment, actually no what they did two things they harnessed the power of google uh, and two they just keep showing up i look i'm doing a thing now personally um on my personal patreon where every month i'm putting out two um it's like a, a private patreon patron only podcast right and so i was like well i don't really have time to go create even more brand new content what can i do I'm going back into the archives of my blog at kaylalords.com. I have over 1700 blog posts published and I'm going through and I'm just reading them. And my plan is like a year from now, I'll start releasing those um, audio uh, files within the blog itself to make it more accessible. But for right now, I'm using it as a a way to um, make some money and, and help all these bloggy things I do make me money and pay for themselves. Um, and so I, I'm going back and I'm reading out loud all of these old blog posts. And yes, there are times I go, oh God, I would never use that word choice now. Or, oh God, is that how I wrote that sentence? What are you talking about? If I had thought that way in 2012, there wouldn't be a blog for me to read from in 2018. There wouldn't be a Smut Lancer podcast. There wouldn't be a Loving BDSM podcast. If I had let any fear I had about my technical abilities stop me all those years ago, I wouldn't be where I am today. So if you are early days in your creative process, whatever it is, and you are worried that you're going to make technical mistakes, you are worried that your grammar is not that good. You are worried that you are not painting as good of a erotic scene as you could, you know, whatever, whatever it is you think that you're not that great at, I'm going to ask you to do one of the hardest things there is to do. I'm going to ask you to ignore your inner and the outer critics. Okay. Make your thing. Anyway, if you keep waiting for something to be perfect, novelists and, and, um, fiction writers have this problem all the time. They will keep working on a book or a manuscript forever, constantly tweaking it and never get it published. What good is supposed perfection that's hiding in a desk drawer? If nobody ever gets to see it, I would rather have the imperfect thing in front of me in my hands that I can physically hold. I can see on a screen in front of me. I can say to somebody else, I made this thing. Would you like to see it? I would rather have that and know that there are flaws in it than to never have had it and made it and done anything with it at all. And that's the difference. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, you can be worried 
that you're, you're making mistakes. We are all making mistakes. I go back five, six years ago and I see content that I put out there that I was very proud of at the time. I was scared of, I was scared that it wasn't as good or that nobody would read it or whatever, but I was still pretty pleased with myself. Look at me, I wrote this thing I've never written before and there it is on the internet. And now six years ahead, I'm like, oh God, I can't believe I wrote it that way. But you know what? I don't regret that I wrote it that way. I don't even regret that it's still sitting on my website like that. I could go back and fix it. Maybe one day I will. But it's also a testament to how far I've come. If somebody today were to read the very first blog post I ever wrote that was kinky fuckery and the most recent piece of kinky fuckery that I've written, if you cannot tell a difference, then I'm doing something wrong. You should absolutely be able to tell a difference. And that's the case for you. Wherever you are in your process, even if you've been doing it for several years now, fast forward a few years, you're going to be even better or you're going to um, be, um, how do I want to put it? You're going to be more advanced. You're going to know more things than you knew in the beginning, but you never get to that point unless you start. You never get better, you never improve, you never try new things, you never see where life takes you if you don't start. And if we're all afraid of being criticized, then none of us would be making anything. Absolutely, there are people out there who are gonna hate what you write. There are people out there who are gonna judge what you write or that you make, right? They're gonna say, oh, that's not my thing at all. Well, that's fine. It doesn't have to be for them. It ha doesn't have to connect with that person who's criticizing you. It just needs to connect with the right audience. And you'll never get to connect with an audience if you don't make your thing. And I believe I've gone on a rant. <laughs> John Brownstone's in the background giggling at me because I'm kind of a ranty girl. Um, I do want to leave you with one last thing. I have, um, blogged about it on smutlancer.com. If I can, if I can find a link, of course I can find a link. If I think about it, I will, I will link to the post that I wrote with this, uh, quote in the show notes for you. But I want to read this quote and y'all it's very gendered language. It's the man in the arena quote from, um, Theodore Roosevelt. So where you hear man put in your term that you prefer, woman, person, whatever, but I'm gonna read the quote as it was said, okay? And this is the thing I go back to when I start doubting myself. And it is the thing that gets me righteously indignant when I see people throwing shade on Twitter and subtweeting the hell out of people in a, uh, in a way that criticizes and it's not um, helpful and it's just mean-spirited. This is the thing that keeps me going every Thursday night Right before I go to bed, I think to myself, oh my God, is this the loving BDSM episode where people hate me because I said something they didn't like? This, yes, that really does happen. <laughs> I really do have that moment every single Thursday night because loving BDSM episode goes live Friday morning where I wonder if this is the day that I have fucked it all up, okay? But this is the quote I go back to every single time. So here it goes. It's called The Man in the Arena, Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who 
does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So whether you're thinking about the critic on Twitter or the asshole who emailed you that didn't need to, just was being mean, or you're thinking about your own inner critic, remember this quote. I will, I will link to this particular quote. It's a, one, of the, one of, I'm sure, the many Theodore Roosevelt <laughs> websites out there. Um, remember it, okay? It is very easy to criticize. It is very easy to sit back and point and go, ooh, you did that all fucking wrong much harder to go out there and make your thing and hit publish and put it out there for the world, knowing it's imperfect, knowing that it's not, it might be the best that you can do and that your best is not quite as good as you want it to be yet. That doesn't mean it's not worthy of being made. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it anyway. You absolutely should because quite frankly, you're never gonna get any better until you start showing up and making your thing and putting it out there for the world. And also, when in doubt, there is Google. Okay, y'all, that was, I was really ranty this week. Um, that's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your perspective. But thanks for listening to the Smutlanter podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard and you like a good rant, please review. A, no, let's try that again. Please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great info at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow me, The Smut Lancer, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at The Smut Lancer in all three places. Uh, feel free to reach out there or by email at Kayla at TheSmutLancer.com with questions or topic suggestions. Thanks for listening, y'all, and let's do this again next week. Bye.